Hosea chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. And the more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and offering incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and I fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword rages in their cities. It consumes their oracle priests and devours because of their schemes. My people are bent on turning away from me. To the Most High they call, but he does not raise them up at all. But how can I give you up, Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal. The Holy One in your midst, and I will not come in wrath. They shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion. And when he roars, his children shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, I pray that you speak through me and when and where necessary in spite of me. And Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, in the time that I have with you all, I would like to preach and teach on a sermon entitled, The Relentless Return. The Relentless Return. In what may seem like the crevices of our scripture, we find a painstakingly beautiful reminder of God's love for us. Hosea shows us a God who has inner turmoil about whether God should exercise wrath or or grace on their creation. In these pages of a minor prophet, pages we are probably prone to skip over, we are reminded to what ends God will go to call us home and of the lavish manner in which God chooses to love us. In the words of Hosea, we are invited to see God as a parent. Hosea is a book filled with metaphors for God, placing them in the home with the fam- within familial ties offers us a way to have the scriptures resonate with us. For we too know the nature of the family, of the relationship, as Patrick said in his children's sermon, 
of parent and child. We too know something about seeing God as a nurturing parent and can then place ourselves in the story of God's people. We meet God in Hosea recalling the many tales of nurture and love for their son, Israel. Israel is a community of those belonging to God. And using Israel, we can understand that we are all part of God's, of, we are all part of the words of judgment and grace from God. This word from Hosea is not for a few, but for all who are part of the creation and community of God. We are reminded in these reflections of a divine parent, of the, of the consistency of nurture and care God has for God's beloved. We are reminded in these poetic words that God not only called but summons Israel. God calls us by name and brings us out of slavery. We meet a God who is reflecting on all that it, all that it has meant to keep and care for Israel. It has meant exodus and freedom from bondage. But caring, raising, and rearing Israel has also meant frustration and pain. It has meant calls that go unanswered. It has meant watching what God loves so deeply meander through the world, ignoring the many instructions and lessons of the divine parent. God calls, we run. God calls, we run. God calls, and we run. This is not just the story of the past, but of us in the present. Running from God, chasing after the fleeting flourishes of peace and happiness that our society continually markets toward us. The story of Israel, specifically, and the story of God's people more generally, is the story of a people on the run. On the run in what at times seems simultaneously both toward and away from the one who created us and called us by name and told us, you are mine. As we get a front row seat to God's reminiscing and recollecting of the sonship of Israel and the fruits of God's own parenting, we see the story of a parent who calls and a child who runs. The more God called, the more God showed concern, care, and instruction, the more enticing the foreign gods became. And with each shout into the wilderness for Israel to return, it seems as if the more attractive the foreign gods and idols became. We watch Israel engage with Baal and idol worship, caught up in the haze that comes when making bedfellows with foreign gods, hoping that they might gain something. Caught up by foreign gods that they may offer to Israel something better, something shinier, some illusion that thirst will be quenched. Whatever the gods of Baal are offering, it is just alluring enough to entice Israel to keep running and fleeing from God. But this passage offers us an intimate look at God's own heart. The scripture invites us to flip through the pages of God's family photo album and see a broken-hearted parent who wants nothing more than the restoration and redemption for a child, but in the end must watch their child as they become more and more encapsulated by things that are far away from home, things that falsely promise security, fake alliances that will seemingly protect them. We are invited to see God's heart breaking, breaking because what God has to offer, God's beloved will seemingly never be enough, never be able to compete with the world's mirages of fulfillment and peace. We watch as God's heart, reminiscing on the ways God has parented in the past, becomes frustrated and angry. 
we are invited to the inner turmoil of God's heart. God's heart breaks as the lesson of, lessons of a parent seem to be foregone, as Israel meanders through idols and eras that seem to contradict who God is and who God is in relation to Israel. And wrath seems to be a logical flow as the parenting God watches her own creation align with the empires of the world and the idols of today. Surely it is hard to watch as a child gets further and further away from the teachings. We watch as God seemingly gets to the point that anger overcomes her in reminiscing and recollecting and recollecting of what it has been to be a parent to Israel. It is an anger that surely comes out of exasperation. As if God is flinging up arms in the air and sighing or grunting loudly, I don't care. Let them fall away. Let them be devoured by shiny objects of the world. We get to see God turn. We get to see God's turn to wrath. And God's wrath is real. We hear of it time and time again in our scriptures. We particularly hear about God's wrath and judgment in the text of the Old Testament. And none of this should surprise us, for we know that the Lord your God is a jealous God. God's jealousy turns to anger, to judgment, to wrath. God becomes frustrated and exasperated with God's creation and our propensity towards running off and running away from the God who created us and calls us by name. Yes, God's wrath is real. This is true. But God's love is also real. This passage in Hosea is not about God's anger, but about God's love. This passage is, not, is good news, not just good news, but great news. God's love is unfailing. In spite of our failings, God loves. We have heard it in our confession sequence at times that while we were yet sinners, God demonstrated love. God's change of heart is independent of whether we turn toward God. God's love is not conditional. It is not based on anything we did to earn it, but on God's initiative towards us. God is always looking toward a future of return and reparation, even when we are so mired in our present condition of running, of ignoring. God is focused on a future when again, at the sound of their voice, we the weary, we the restless, we the wayward, will return to God. God's wrath is real. Yes, but so also is God's heart. And God's heart is a compassionate heart. God's wrath can be subdued by God's heart for, the, for God's beloved. In Hosea, we are given a front row seat to the beauty of God's heart, that in the midst of all the ways in which we reject, run, and fail in following God, God never gives up on us. God's heart is one of compassion and not rage believing and hoping against the present realities that another way is possible. God questions God's own self. How can I, how can I do this to my children? These are questions of God's power. Even within the powerful heart of God, there is a hope of restoration that quenches the fires of God's own anger. God's grace, though, is not always gentle. Hosea remembers that what will ultimately account for Israel's return to God will be the roar of a lion. A roar that is focused on her cubs, 
that is both nurturing and ferocious all at once. Then we will come, we the wayward, we the easily swayed, we the disoriented, we will come, but we may come wobbling, we may come broken, but we come not on our own accord, but because God's love is as real, if not realer, than God's wrath. God's wrath may be, may be real, but the good news is God's love is relentless. It chases us down and beckons us back. Because of God's relentless love, we are always, always within the realm of return. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.